0: Hey guys, and welcome to episode 317 of The Startup Diary. I am Harrison Mudge, and I'm with my coffee drinking co host, Adam Callow. Hey guys, and
1: thanks for joining us on this episode of the podcast. If you're new here, we normally drop a Monday, Wednesday, and Friday show, but we've moved it to one episode a week, a little bit of a longer form. And if you don't know what we're about on this podcast, this is where we're sharing what it's truly like to build a small business. We're six years in the making, a team of 12. We've bootstrapped it, raised some VC funding, and we're sharing. All the mistakes that we make, so you don't make them too. Harry, we've got a bit of a new format, don't we, mate?
0: We do. A little bit more structure on these... A uh, little bit more meat on the bone, shall we say. Do you want me to roll through what we're, what we're thinking about doing for the upcoming yeah, e- shows?
1: Explain the format, baby. It's basically what we used to do on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but all merged into, into yeah. one show. So we're going to kick off the show with a specific topic, something that we found interesting. That could anything be from sales training, marketing, Facebook ads... Absolutely anything that we think will drive some value for you guys that have plugged us in. Secondly, we're going to answer some listener questions. We've had a load of listener questions over the last 12 months that we couldn't really flush out to be a full show. But Mm. because this is now a segment within a show, we can really get through them and do some fast fire listener cues. And then we're going to wrap up with last week, what did we do in our business? what's happening next week, and then a little segment at the end where we're gonna talk about what we're into. And it might be business related, it could be completely off the wall, but it's basically something that me and Harry have done, learnt or tried in the last seven days that we think you might wanna learn about too. So hi, I guess, let's get straight into it. Today we're talking about trade shows. So the last episode that we, we published, I don't know, probably like two weeks ago, yep. um, on the Friday was a recap of what we did at our trade show. We work in the construction industry. Mm-hmm. So we attended a trade show called Installer Live, I don't know, it's probably 3,000 people walk through the door, all plumbing and heating engineers, and a very traditional show for the construction industry. They actually consider themselves fairly forward-thinking, and then what we wanted to do was actually go and experience another trade show. So do you want to talk about, one, how we ended up at Body Power, uh, and then we can go into what we learned in terms of the differences between
0: these two events? Yep. So one of our awesome listeners, Malcolm Sloan from SportsInjuryFix.com, uh, he reached out to us, wanted to wanted to speak to us on the mics, and uh, he he used the fact that he was going to be at Body Power uh, and could potentially get us some free tickets as a way to kind of get us over there. And we, uh, yeah, we uh, we we went over, we saw what we could do, we we made some space in our schedule. Um, <laughs> you bit quicker than you can. You were like
1: Adam. Malcolm's been in touch. We can go to Body Power,
0: and we get exhibitor passes. I, I was, I was just really excited because, obviously, you've only bit, you've only seen construction, construction yeah. industry trade shows, which are very, uh, very formal, even at the best of times. So installers like a, an end user. Trade show for the for the one two man band uh, plumber heating engineers so
1: yeah installers like a like it's it's a micro B two B trade show as yeah. in like plumbers go there but they're one to two man bands yeah. tend to be so they sort of act like consumers but at the end of the day it's for business it's a B two B trade show to help them with what they do in their
0: day job yeah. whereas like what's body powerful well just to take a step back we've even been to other trade shows where they are like the uh, MBG is like business to business on a bigger scale and it's really weird that they even really have like a, a a trade show like that because everyone's just there to have meetings in the coffee shop rather than go around to the stands it's like that whole concept seems to be like a clash of two different things really really they just need like a a speed dating style everyone gets a table everyone gets a uh, a ticket and just speaks to each person like that would make more sense to me rather it's than so like interesting you say pitching that. up and so I completely agree so it's
1: like the trade show in sort of the 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 merchant sector that we work in mm. like the trade show is like a byproduct of wanting to put lots of people in a room at the same time because yeah. that, that's where the real benefit is because you get to do a lot of meetings and to be honest at Installer uh, the first time ever I wasn't working on the trade show sort of eight hours a day myself Mm-hmm. I started to see the benefit of that, just having all my partner brands under the same roof that I could go and square away, I don't know, three months' worth of meetings in three days was amazing. But the fact you had mentioned this ticket thing, so there's a conference happens every other year, again in the construction, and they have a Meet the Merchant, which is a t- okay. which is a ticketed system <laughs> where the brand... Then basically, booked in a time slot 15, 30 minutes, and you meet the merchant. And they basically Mm -hmm. rotate around a room and you book time slots in. And that's exactly what they do as part of this overall conference. Mm
0: -hmm. Like that, that just makes sense because at the end of the day, the the whole purpose is for these guys to be having conversations with each other to potentially make deals or or whatever it might be. Not to really, like, it's not really about the product. Obviously, it is because the merchant's going to be selling it. But it's more about the deals on the product that like what what margins can we have, how much of the product can we stock and how much will that hopefully sell for that whole thing. Like to have a little stand where someone says, Oh, check out our new limestone, slate, whatever's is just seems a bit Unnecessary.
1: Love the way you went to lime, t- limestone slate something that we've never spoke about or touched on once at Expert Trades. You got a deal in the pipeline that I don't know about. Um, well, talk about body power. Like, yep. What's the difference between the installer show, B2, micro B2B, uh, plumber seating engineers, it's their day job, they're going to... Mm-hmm. Oh, I
0: think I know why they're going, but talk about
1: body power. Why so, do people go to that?
0: So body power is the trade show... Of the year for people that are into health, fitness, bodybuilding, and everything else around that well-being and everything, um, and it's just a just a massive. So I've been three times now, and the first year I went, it was huge and had loads of influencers because I think, I think in, uh, Instagram was kind of really booming at the time. Obviously, everyone like gym fitness and working out was seemed to be like a bigger and bigger thing all of yeah. a sudden everyone knows what a protein shake is uh, so like the whole industry was growing and exploding at the same time as Instagram was so it was a really intense event over three days again just like Installer uh, but th- but it's more of a it's a leisure yeah. uh, industry. So like people people exercise in their free time because they enjoy it. It's fun. So to go to something where it's just a convention full of more ha- like m- new weights, new shakes, new regimes. People speaking about the next diet or whatever it, whatever it is. Uh, people just love it. So it's like really intense, and people pay for this. I think yeah. that was the difference between installer and body power. Is installers a free event you just register yep. and you can go in whereas people are willing to pay different tiers as well so you get i think it was like i think it's like 35 pound for a standard ticket yep. and that gets you in the door at like 10 10 30 till it closes but you can pay for a vip ticket which is like 50 55 pound and you get to go in an hour earlier so that that itself
1: confused me uh,
0: just, be, uh, just
1: conf- like when I was speaking to you about it, that confused me. Just because it was like, what is, what is the the pull? How is this pull big enough that makes people want to spend fifty quid? Let's just call it to come to the trade show. So, as you pointed out, installer one hundred percent free. All the money, the monetization of that is all purely from the brand. So, I'm going to get about I don't know three three and a half thousand mm-hmm. people through the door. Body power. 100,000 people come through the door in three days and they've paid for the ticket. Mm. Compared to your experience in the previous years, if you paid for your ticket, how would you be feeling about it at this show?
0: This year, um, and maybe because we didn't plan on going, so I didn't kind of look into it ahead of time uh, and knew who was there, who was talking or whatever. I probably would have been a bit more excited but as it was because it was very last minute i was a little bit underwhelmed in one aspect because again probably because it was no i didn't know if what was going on to the extent of where where i could have said adam we need to go and check out this guy at two o'clock he's talking about x and it's this is this alone is going to be worth the, the ticket yeah because a previous year i went listening to three different guys throughout the day speak for 45 minutes was more than the value was so much more so much worthwhile uh for the ticket cost just because you can never really get in a room and listen to these guys speak and ask some questions which i was able to do so that paid for its ticket itself this year because it didn't get any of that those added benefits it was kind of like the scale was huge and that was very impressive just how massive it's become but i felt like the and I don't know why it's even important, but the presence of like the big brands was a lot less than it has been in previous years. Obviously costing from their side of things, like the size of someone's stand doesn't dictate how much I'm going to spend there. Uh, but yeah, it was it was mind blowing, but also underwhelming at the same time, which is a really weird, contradictory statement.
1: Yeah. And when we spoke about it as we we're walking through, I, I guess the, when I was trying to draw parallels between the two trade shows is... At Installer, everyone right now is going through this process of buying... They seem to be, the big boiler brand specifically, seem to be buying bigger and mm. bigger stands. And it feels like like body power is a sign of things to come for me um, in terms of, as you explained in the previous shows, the, the big brands in the health and wellness space um, just had some enormous... And you showed me some yeah. photos, just enormous stand spaces. And they've really contracted down. Mm. And I don't know if that's a result of... Um, having more data to see actually does this thing drive mm. an ROI for the business, um, does stand space impact sales volume of the day, data collection and all this, and we could talk about data collection, that was an interesting one, yeah. but for me it was a real big indication to actually, is body power a few years ahead of our industry, And my assumption yeah. is because um, our industry is so antiquated, like it just is always behind the curve. Mm. So our trade shows are now just growing in terms of they're having a resurgence right now um, and the stands are getting bigger and bigger and the thing that made me smile and probably most happy and I actually made a quick note because when I was thinking about the show and thinking about what we spoke about I I thought about this Wayne Gretzky um, like her famous saying skate to where the puck's going not to where the puck is exactly that so when I when I was thinking about it, that came to mind because I felt like what we did at our trade show was more indicative of what was happening at Body Power mm. because we tried to create an experience. Yeah. We, we basically wanted to convert it into an event within an event. Mm. And then as we were walking around Body Power, it became really clear that it was, and I thought it was standard, but you're like, no, no, this isn't the norm. That there was loads of competition space and event space and very well organized, mm. big, big rooms purely just for events and competing
0: yeah they've, they've had the events and competing every year that I've gone but it's that portion seems to be becoming more and more of the main focus whereas in previous years it was all about the brands and the products and, and the statements from mm-hmm. the brands and then there was competitions at the side it seems to have reversed now and it's all about because it's now caught co- I don't know if it was always called this, but if it it was, then they've made a big deal of it. But it's now called the Body Power Experience. And it's the event space where they're having all the competitions, CrossFit games and all that was probably almost as big as the event has been in previous years. And then the brands and the products have just been supplemental to the events this time. And like, again, it, it, lack of preparation, like everyone that was there seemed to already know what they were doing there and was like, because you didn't see any any booth where you could sign up to take part in these things. So I can only assume that- All the pre-campaign. They, they signed up ahead of time and were, and were getting ready for it.
1: And you made a comment in terms of like, there's just less height, like mm, everything would yeah. seem to be smaller, yeah. uh, but uh, more spread out, more distributed, taking up more space probably less hustle and bustle mm. between all the stands
0: well we say that but remember we were there earlier early during the VIP period even, even in terms of the way it was laid out yeah the, the actual the physical floor space was a lot bigger which was nice because there's room to breathe but yep. obviously that's because like you saw when it hit 10 o'clock or 10.30 we were
1: going out the door at it was like, like
0: what I mean. is that massive and I realised oh shit they've just, they've just opened the doors and it was just this huge wave of people
1: I think from I guess to sort of the last comment for me around the trade show thing is what can com- again confuse use a word um, the, the amount of people that go through that trade show but the level of uh, work that a stand needed to do to collect data from anyone yeah like we got given scanners, like digital scanners and lanyards mm. at Installer. where someone walked around. All their data was based on a barcode. It said their name, their company, and if you could cajole them into letting you scan them, mm. or not even letting them if they were looking away. And beep. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we did an amazing job at scanning people. Yeah. Just, we just we did a giveaway like every hour or something, so everyone wanted to be taking part in that. But it made it really easy to collect leads, nice and fast. And then as we walked around, there was no there was no organized way of doing data collection for these
0: brands well there was there was a couple of different things happening so a lot of them are uh uh, clothing brands food they've got they've got they're 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 a supplement brand so they've got like bars they've got shakes they've got pre-workouts whatever so what normally what you'll expect to see on a typical stand is a tray full of samples yeah whether it's the drink or whether it's a snack or whatever and there's people walking around with them strapped on them and, and they're like oh go to stand G53 that's where you can buy them full box for 20 quid normally 24 it's like it's 20 pound online anyway so that's a, that's a whole, a whole weird, issue yeah exactly um, but people myself included would you just great you just swing by every stand is there a freebie yeah I'll have a bite of that I'll have a bite of that oh cheers for that see you later but they don't know who I am I'm never going to remember them unless I took a picture of it or, or like some of them say oh follow us on Instagram and show us and we'll give you a bar so got, that's one way that
1: protein water
0: that way but most brands are literally not doing anything to collect your data um, at all so you just get a sample other scenarios are they'll have a little spinny wheel the, uh, the 50 pound ones that you can get off Amazon. Um,
1: Not the home made <laughs> winner's
0: wheel like we have here at Expert Trades. But to get a spin on those, so so those would have queues because people want to spin the wheel and win a prize. And it might be a couple of bars, it might be a little t-shirt, whatever it is. But what they do then is you're queuing up to f- put your data into an iPad. Mm-hmm. So they're collecting your data that way. Others, um, Maxi Muscle is probably the only one that was actually doing it. Um, They would... Data for sample. ...ring fence you in. It was data for a sample. So you would queue to go to only do the same thing that every other stand is doing without getting your data. But they obviously are smart enough saying, no, no one's having a sample without giving us your email address.
1: And like you said, they they had contracted heavily in size and then have just become Mm -hmm. very data driven. And and I think that's probably a sign of things to come. Um, So... One super interesting thing that we spoke about afterwards was was this purely a tactic from the body power of the guys that organize the event because their real value is that is the data. Mm. And maybe they're just being a little bit more cautious and ring-fencing it and saying, no, no, if you want the data, guys, brands have got to work for it. So you come back every year to build your own lists. Whereas with Installer, as an example, if we're collecting three, five, 600 leads a time, mm. and then after three, four years, we just compare the leads that we've built and we go, well, 75% of them are the same like as a data-driven company that we are we just say well we're not going anymore is it like a tactic for these guys don't mm. know it feels not likely because it's more of a consumer brand and there's probably like a huge pool of people that could be going to it
0: yeah I mean like, I'm, uh, the in any industry there's always new blood like th- Uh, so I don't I don't really know who would benefit or who would be missing out like I agree that if you've got the hard numbers then you can make you can make a real decision but if if that's the argument that body power is using to say we don't want you to have scanners for example then that would imply that they know that they're going to become extinct and, and it's not going to work long term so I'd, I'd, I would like to think that's not really the case it's just it's just a, a decision that they've decided not to kind of give this lanyard system yeah. where you can scan them
1: I think, I think it's interesting I think it'll be interesting to watch it over the next two three years to see what they do mm. around data just because everyone has just got a big focus on that right now and I guess uh, just to sort of put a bell on this is for me it's um, it was really interesting for me to walk around and see everything move to an experience an event mm. and then look at what we did at Installer. I think we're ahead of the curve, which makes me really excited. I think what what I also learned is we need to do more of out of industry events and talks and shows, and then try and nick the best bits and bring it into what we do. Because we can be so insular in terms of like, oh, I used to tell every merchant and brand that I used to do consulting for, is don't try and be the best of a bad bunch. Like you guys are all shit at A B C mm. don't try and be the best of a bad bunch, look outside of what happens in retail and other spaces. And that's the benchmark. We need to like we need to do the exact same. Like for the work that we do, we need to look out of industry and then work out what's working over there to then bring it into the construction industry and lead the way and be the authority compared to trying to be the best mm. of a bad bunch.
0: Yeah, exp- I think experience is key. That's why it's called Body Power Experience now. Um, that's why Operation Tool Talk that we did at Installer went down so well because it's a, it's an activity. It's a physical... like. That's why the spinning the wheel does so well at at any trade show because people just want to have a go at something whether it's a a competition, a time trial or whatever or just trying the tools in a simulated real world environment people want to engage they don't want to pick a lollipop up and then get pincer moved by two salesmen trying to push new products on you like people if people like the product hopefully you've got a good enough product anyway but if people like it they'll come over they'll want to speak to you about it they want to try it like, yeah, I think just hands-on and a, a memorable experience is what people want to want to go for. They don't they don't want to just look at a, a stand with and look at some A5 flyers of your products.
1: Hundred percent. I think uh, I think everyone listening to this needs to work out. And maybe it not. Maybe it's not a trade show. Maybe you've got a physical retail space. It's how do you make your space into more of an experience for people visiting? Mm. Uh, and it happens top to bottom. It's happening in retail throughout. If you and i don't like to use them as an example but it works like the apple retail experiences where people are going to like because they make it a non-intrusive experience to explore mm. the products and not a sales environment i just think that's the way the high streets moving to trade shows are moving to like you you got everyone's got to up the game
0: now like people's expectations are much higher and and you met, you mentioned the high street is like the 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 thing now is obviously everyone can buy online like with body power the supplement brands had smaller stands most likely because they're not giving better deals that you can get online anyway um, people go to Apple. You can buy Apple products online, but nothing beats going into the Apple store and feeling the brand new <laughs> iPad, looking at the beautiful 5K Max. Like these these are experiences that... You, and I know it's any inexperiences and you're looking at a product, but most people want to try the clothes on before they buy them. They want to look at the product before they buy it. So, again, that tangible feeling the products is, is, is where the value is build a relationship with the brand. Like mm. you probably think like I was when
1: you were talking, I was like, well how would someone like Maximus or make this into an experience? I'm like, they should have two ovens or two mixing bowls and mm. then have some chefs or something and be like, mm. make your own protein bar. Yeah. like that's what they should be doing like really engage with the people walking through yeah. Maximum if you listening you can have that one for free I've got a really good yeah console. like they,
0: they should they should have like their own like that's pretty cool like having your own recipe book yeah like they because they, they all they still- sell powders and, and pills and all sorts but if, if they started because I think a lot of them are now but they're getting into like um foods, food stuffs, food ingredients. But if you add like a... Even if it's like only a a, a few different ingredients, a few different recipes, sorry. It's like, here's... Try a new bar. By the way, you can't buy this, like, sealed up. You have to make it. But here's the three powders you need. Add an egg, add milk, whatever it is. And there you go. You've got a high-protein cake.
1: (laughs) That's what I'm saying, is that would be an experience that people would not forget and it would stand out. Cool. That's... Are we done on trade shows? Are we done on first segment, the first topic?
0: Yeah, I think so. Obviously, it's a big topic. I think uh, the the main kind of takeaway from it is body power is obviously kind of not necessarily ahead of its time but is it's kind of at the forefront of where trade shows are going Installer's a little bit behind mm-hmm. interesting to see the difference between the two and how they both kind of going on the similar journeys brands are trying to make a bigger presence at Installer at the moment because it's all about who can swing the biggest dick similar experience but, but two years gap it sounds yeah. like it sounds like they are
1: two years behind what's happening at Body Power and I guess from our side is dropping stuff onto the mics is everything that we go to now uh, I think we'll probably bring back to the show to to help yeah. you guys we hear what we're learning from, from out of industry experiences, which I think is a really good takeaway for everyone.
0: We should go to Installer next year and Body Power next year again and see. We should do a recap and see what the difference is.
1: Like it. Guys, thanks very much for that. We're going to be back with some
0: listener questions right after this small break. So it is that time now, not again, for the first time, Adam. Listener cues. So this first question. By the way, if you've got a question, you can email startup diary at nbs.fm, just like James did. He asks, "How much?" Uh, I guess this one's to you, Adam. <laughs> uh, how much do you charge per day as a consultant? Yeah, I saw this going to the notes, and it was really
1: it's gonna be a really shitty answer to be honest James Um, but the truth is a lot yeah as much as you can (laughs) and that's the truth Uh, as much as you can while ensuring you drive value for your customers and um as much as the market will pay you. Mm. So I've done everything from free work to a thousand pounds a day work um, and everywhere in between. And I think the key things to take into consideration is it sounds like he wants to be a consultant in his day job. I think he want the, from the way the question is worded is I'm thinking about being a consultant or I am a consultant. How much do you charge? Mm. Because some people do consultancy on the side to sort of help them fund a business. And you need to understand what's the sort of end goal. Because if the end goal is to basically get as much money as you can in a short period of time, um, then you need to be really, really good at what you do. uh, Like you already need to have experience in the industry to go and command the rates that you need. However, if you want to become the best Facebook ad specialist for the health and wellness industry, Mm -hmm. uh, and you're gonna have to prove yourself to be honest, mate. And that's where uh, working up the pay ladder uh, is really important and building portfolio of clients building referrals building testimonials showing value because very simply put if someone's not prepared to pay you £200 a day it's because you haven't shown them any value it's because you haven't shown them what you can do mm. for £200 a day so the really shitty answer to this is charge as much as you can while making sure that the relationship is 5149 49 to Nick and Gary V reference is 51 in favor of your client, as in they are getting more value out of this deal than you are. If you consistently do that from when you charge hundred pounds a day through to a thousand pounds a day, you'll always be in business. Have, an, have so much time put aside to build case studies and testimonials, because as a consultant, that is your livelihood, that's your bread and mm. butter. If you can nail some big names, and this is where the rate really doesn't come into play. If you can nail some big names, you should go in and do it for free if you're just starting out. You should go in and get the case study under your belt, show the value, explain you're doing it for free to build a case study, understand how you track your metrics and how you track the ROI you've driven for that client, build that into a case study, get a testimonial as part of that upfront agreement. That is worth more than the three times 500 pounds a day that you would have earned as a consultant. That 1,500 pounds that you don't put in your bank is going to help you secure more clients in the future. So it's not just about the day rate, it's about working out what you want to do long-term and building a longer strategy around that. If you know that you're super happy earning a hundred thousand pounds a year, and that's the goal, reverse engineer that and work out what do you need to charge Mm. today to get yourself to that point. Cool, James, if you've got any follow-up to that, please let me know. Um, I didn't want to try and duck the question, but it all comes down to why you want to do this in the first place and then on every client basis is what's the what's the exchange in value are you getting more out of them you get testimonials or you just getting cash work that out on a client by client basis and then actually build a strategy around it key thing is for consultants is your time is everything as soon as you become 80% full you're not charging enough Like you just need to continually have the balls to keep raising your prices to the point that you are always 60 to 70% capacity and one in three deals is saying, no, you're too expensive. Cause it's not that you're too expensive, it's that they can't afford you. There's a very, very big difference. Keep moving your prices up even to the point you feel uncomfortable. When you feel uncomfortable, you'll end up doing your best work. Fact, I did it. I felt very uncomfortable charging 600 pounds a day when I was 22 years old. That's a lot of money puts a lot of weight on your shoulders but it forces you to do your best work hopefully that helps buddy moving on to the next one we have a michelle that has asked how do you get sponsors for your podcast episodes harry over
0: to you stand on the corner of the street and hustle no uh so we actually it's fairly easy um for us actually uh we we use anchor to host our shows just because it's it's one place that distributes to a lot of podcast uh, feeds, so we we initially used Anchor just for the ease of use on that respect. Um, Anchor has something that's cool, uh, which is monetization. So it's literally a button where we can just turn ads on, and what happens is we'll get an email saying, "Hey, we've found you a new sponsor," and you can choose to you can choose to do the ad read or not. They just want you to record the ad read, so we get it. We, we read the ad. It tells you the things that it would like you to cover off. Do that, submit it, and then it will sprinkle that through as many shows as it wants to. There's, it tells you like a CPM. Um,
1: CPM meaning... Cost per milli. it's Mm -hmm. the amount you get paid per thousand listens. So an example CPM is anything from like $17 to $25. And it will depend on whether it's a pre-roll ad, the thing that sits at the front of the show, or a mid-roll ad. So throughout this show, there may be some ads. We don't know yet. Um, But the the mid-roll ads tend to pay a little bit more uh, because they're more engaged listeners because people people now to skip the first 30 seconds
0: and then what's cool with that as well is it's dynamic so you when you set that up you actually set a little ad break in the audio and if there is an ad the ad will play and if there isn't the audio will just continue straight through so you might hear it obviously we actually make a bit of a conscious effort to kind of make a break so you'll probably hear us say we'll be back after this but then sometimes we come straight back that's because there's been no ad there so that's how that works uh, interestingly on that one um, we've done a little bit of magic because technically monetization is only for US accounts right now mm-hmm. um, but we just wanted to click that monetization button gotta pay I've got bills to pay <laughs> <laughs> <And> <laughs> which if, we'll get onto at the end of the show
1: <laughs> and if you want to uh, if you want to learn how to get that magic button live uh, drop us a line we'll happy to help point in the right direction
0: <laughs> but it is coming to the UK though so don't feel that you have to do all that it's just not there yet it's also Cause, not anchor Anch- Anch is really new so it's it started in the US first obviously i don't know if there's legal things that anchor needs to go through in order to offer monetization in Probably. the UK maybe different markets
1: but yeah. but just to be clear, guys, if you publish a show, not everyone gets the option to monetize. It's only shows that have a certain level
0: of listenership. Mm. Actually, on that, you said uh, a certain listenership for the ads. That's not true. You can you can turn on monetization for any show, um, but my understanding is th- they find. Uh, partners for, to yeah, advertise. So yeah. Advertisers
1: so, might not want to be on shows yeah. that have seven listeners. Yeah, they're looking for people yeah. that have got like a thousand or more
0: yeah. listeners a show. So, so t- technically, it is based on listenership, but you can turn it on, they just might not choose you sort of thing. So, No, really good point. So, so get it, I
1: guess the advice is get it on straight away and wait for an advertiser yeah, to find yeah. you. Yeah,
0: once, once it's there, it's there, it's never going to go away. You don't have to manually keep tr- looking. Like you just turn it on once, you can put the ad breaks in and then what will happen is eventually Anchor will say, hey, we found your sponsor. And what's most likely is Anchor will advertise mm-hmm. on on your show straight away. Because obviously to them as well, if you've only got one listener, they're not going to pay a lot anyway so so for them it's fairly cheap 100% Um, and the thing
1: is as a a little bit of a segue I know we're trying to keep this segment shorter uh, but you do still have the option of finding sponsors elsewhere so if you have brands that want to work with you um, we're actually speaking to a couple right now Uh, if you've got brands that want to work with you you can record your own ads and place them within the show and then turn off ads on that episode Um, and then you can command the CPM you can command how much you want to charge and you can control the whole the whole funnel
0: yeah I mean I get that's probably a conversation for another time about kind of prospecting those sort of things but you've we've all heard podcasts where they've they they read they read the ads in the shows because obviously um, Squarespace or whoever, yeah, I mean they're everywhere, but they obviously have reached out to the the hosts themselves and said, "Hey, we'd like ad reads. People like to pay potentially a bulk amount for a certain amount of shows. There's different. There's different ways you can make those deals. But again, we should probably kind of look at diving into that sort of sales process." And the last thing I'm going
1: to say on this before you throw the the last question over is uh, some shows, if you record them within the show, so if it's not a dynamic ad that Mm. gets taken out or put in, so dynamic ad might show up in the show today, but when that advertiser stops advertising, it's pulled out automatically. If we read something that's within the main content of the show, you should be charging more for that because it has evergreen value. Yep. so we have people that go back to episode one and work through, and God help those people. Um, so <laughs> but those people are being exposed to some of the ads that we've had embedded mm. within the show, so those advertisers are getting value every single day. Uh, so I guess that's the last thing just to make you aware of.
0: Yeah, and then finally. James has been greedy. He had another He had another question. He said, what metrics... This is actually another a different James. Oh, is this a different James. Yeah. Different James. Because the guy who listens to this will be like, I've only asked one question, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, my, I, I misread my notes, actually. I've, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah it, I've got the word another and James. That makes sense. Another James. Yeah, I thought it said another question. Uh, what metrics do you track to know you are going in the right direction?
1: So this, this one could literally be a show on its own, um, but this is in the segment, not the topic. So we're going we're gonna to go through. Uh, the key thing is for me is if you're building a business, uh, you should know what numbers drive value. Um, and sadly, I don't want to say sadly, I've got to take that bitter taste out of my mouth. If you are a funded company, the metrics that you're being driven on might not be core fundamental business metrics that normal people will look at e.g. if i am a small business owner and uh, i live and die by my own p&l profit and loss is i care about revenue i care about costs Mm. i care about profit and that's what i care about however i also have this um uh this thing to consider, which is I've raised venture capital, so I've stepped onto a fundraising treadmill, uh, which basically means that I am driven towards other metrics that uh, the business really wants to see us grow because that will result in things happening in the future that will benefit investors. Uh, so those metrics might be stuff like community growth or daily active users within the app mm. uh, so you need to identify what are, the th- what are the key levers within the business that when you grow, you drive value. Uh, and if you're a funded company, those metrics will look like the, the scalable activity, engagement, land grab things uh, and not necessarily profit because the idea of raising money is that you burn it. You basically, you pump that money into the business to fuel other metrics that don't drive value, don't drive cash, don't drive revenue straight away. So if you listen to this and you've got a business and you look after it and you need profit and loss, the first metric you look at is P&L. You look at how much revenue, what you cost. Uh, and every pound saved is a pound you don't need to earn. So look at your P&L every single month and really understand where your money's going. In terms of metrics and the fact that he used the, this James, isn't it? The fact that he yeah. used the term metrics makes me think that it's more of a technology company and there's potentially some mm. funding. We've made the mistake in the past of watching too many metrics, um, like a lot. Uh, and the, the truth is, is when you track a lot of metrics, you don't do anything with them. You just spend loads mm. of time throwing data into a data spreadsheet and you go, oh, we've, we know where we're going, but we don't do anything with it. Uh, so two things on this is we've stripped it back. So we used to have like 10 metrics around our office package, which is a quoting and invoicing tool for tradespeople. Uh, and now the only thing that we track, because we understand it's the singular most important indicator of usage within our app is invoice value every day. So. That trains our team to know whatever the campaign is, whatever the promotion is, whatever the giveaway is, whatever the educational video content we put out, as long as it drives that singular metric, we know the rest of them will waterfall down and more people use more parts of the app. So it's really trying to identify like these North Star metrics of what drives the value within your product or service and then just focus all the energy and time on those I guess the last thing that I want to cover off around metrics is we've just worked with it <laughs> He's got another plug. Uh, he gets in these all the time, but he's doing amazing fucking work for us right now. Sam at Tribecto mm. from an automation perspective, um, I explained the problem that I've got uh, and he came in and fixed it in terms of he's pulled data sources from Intercom. We're doing it from Google Analytics soon. We're doing it from Stripe uh, and created a dashboard from google sheets into data studio that is so cool which means we never have to worry about putting our data in and it means that we we can see the metrics that we care about and then have decisions or conversations around the strategy not spending an hour a week each person Mm -hmm. putting their metrics into a spreadsheet so i'd say if you can automate it do it Uh, and again i don't know how sam's done it so if you're in the same boat as me running a small business and metrics matter just reach out to sam Google, Tribecto, it's a made up word. So he did that on purpose. Uh, so there's no, there's no one else that shows up in owning Google. Owning the SEO on that bad <laughs> so boy. So get in touch with Sam. He's probably saved me me and the team 10 hours a week. Yeah. Uh, and then when you put that into monetary cost, fuck me, it adds up real fast. Um, so North Star metrics, don't focus on too many, pick three to five maximum that really matter. And those three to five should be the things that you can pull or focus on that waterfall down into the rest of the business to create value.
0: And just on metrics, we actually did do a show way back, uh, ooh, November 30th, 2018, uh, episode 252, Measuring Too Many Metrics and Not Enough Action. Nice. So go back and have a listen to that, because I sure as hell can't remember what we spoke about. <laughs> to be honest, I, I
1: actually remember that show, and that's one of my favorite shows that we did. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a really good conversation. What episode was that again? No. Uh,
0: oh. 252 uh, two. yeah 252 two.
1: guys go back and listen to that James listen to that and any of the follow-up questions after you've listened to that uh, I look forward to hearing from you guys this is the end of the listener queue segment if you have a listener question super simple to fire in it's startupdiary at nbs.fm that email address again is startupdiary at nbs stands for no bullshit nbs.fm fire the questions in and we're going to get onto upcoming shows we're going to be right back with what happened last week, next week, and stuff we're into after
0: this short break. So as we hurtle towards the end of today's show, I want to bring us in to last week, this week. So this is a bit of a section where we review what we did last week and what we've got coming up this week. We record on Tuesdays, so we've still got most of the week ahead of us. People think Wednesday is the hardest day of the week? Cause it's the middle of the week. Actually, little little unknown fact: Tuesday is the hardest day of the week because it's the furthest point from the weekend. Yes. And I know what you're thinking. Surely that's Wednesday, Harry. It's like no, 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 no. Because when you're when you're on Wednesday, you're at the top of the hill. You're looking down. It's home straight. Pff, gravity's gonna help. Tuesday, Monday, you come in. You're feeling fresh from the weekend, so Monday just flies by. Tuesday, pff, Monday's gone. Tuesday's here you've still got three days before the weekend Tuesday is officially the hardest day of the week
1: I hear my staff talk about looking forward to the weekend I want to punch them in the throat like you should be you should be like I need more days in the week like we should turn this into a six day working week and Sundays are the day of rest that's all we should do at this company like you stop do you look forward to the weekend
0: or do you enjoy your job um hmm I look forward to the weekend because uh, because one it's the weekend everyone's off and that's when you do things like most people do things at the weekend because yeah, because obviously I'm at work from sort of nine five ish those sort of hours uh, but I don't dread Mondays I think is the main thing okay and cool pe- people think fucking hell Monday I don't think like that cool okay I like what you did there yeah on the fence no I no I enjoy work I don't but some people hate going to work yeah. and they just can't wait for the weekend what i mean is like obviously the weekend like most if you're going to go and do something uh spend a day out you're not going to do it on a wednesday no
1: i'd be really pissed off if you weren't hearing at a cinema on a wednesday (laughs) watching (laughs) pikachu (laughs) detective
0: (laughs) great film that was by the way anyway last week adam well and listeners we uh well it was it was trade show like time travel obviously it's been two weeks since you guys have heard us but for us Point no of time has passed at the exactly. point of recording uh, so last week we had our trade show fun times busy times um, I'd say just go back and listen to the, the last Friday
1: show not the very last episode because that yeah. was more of a, announcing the end of the season so go back and listen to the Friday show which I guess was three yeah. one five. 5. 315. Uh, that's a recap of last week uh, for us uh, yeah. and then talk about this week um, so this morning super interesting a previous guest on the show a chap called Alan Graves that we're interviewing as a potential business development manager he's got his final presentation at 9 o'clock today so he's presenting a sales strategy back to me uh, and this is something that I'm super excited to see because I'm the salesman within the company Mm -hmm. and letting the reins go on that is a bit scary uh, but I think we found someone that could be a good fit so today is the day where he presents back and then I'm going to be making an offer if all goes well within 48
0: hours so just on that what exactly not to go into too many details but what exactly is he pitching you on is it is he gonna say this is how we're gonna this is this is how I'm gonna sell the dream of the business and this is the expected turnover what like are these the number like what's what exactly is he gonna pitch to you Yep, yeah, the
1: process has been so far that he has spent uh, two days consulting within the business so mm-hmm. learning what we do how we do it I've exposed him to contracts values um, wins losses uh, how we close business. Mm. Uh, the fact that a lot of the business that has been closed has been through what we class as entrepreneurs' magic, founders' magic, CEOs' magic, which is the person that can speak most passionately about the business is me, and I'm a sales Which and it's a double. It's a it's a double win because one, I'm the founder. Two, I'm a salesman. Mm. So when I go and close business, I close business because it's really hard. It's really hard for the other person on the other side of the table not to be as enthused or enthusiastic as I am. So mm. I close business quicker than most people will which for him is hard because he doesn't have that magic. He doesn't. They're not speaking to the CEO. So all the pros and cons of the business. Uh, and then he came to Installer and the job at Installer for him would be what he was doing if he was a BDM, which is work the room. We spent every morning going through a, a list of brands that we're interested in speaking to or learning about. And then he went and said, I'm doing some sales consultancy. I'm probably gonna be the new business development manager at Expert Trades. Can I just speak to you about what you guys do about getting in front of customers? Do you know about expert Mm. trades? And basically probing to try and get some leads. Uh, And then today he's presenting back on what he's found, the strengths and weaknesses in the business. And he's been given a remit that I know there's so much money left on the table in terms of what we do. Don't come back to me with a presentation that says, guys, if you hire me, I need these six people and we can go and win, bullshit. Come in and work with what we've got right now Mm. and eke out the value. We've got some really high-margin products that we sell. We've got some really low-margin products that we sell. And it's and we've gone through all the details. So it's given me a sales strategy of the next 12 months of how he grows revenue in, and what some targets are. And very simply put, if he can't do the same level of new business that I did in the last 12 months, when I spent 20% of my time on new business, then he's a failure. So that's like the baseline. So beat my turnover for last year. How are you going to do it? And what products are going to be sold? And what's the strategy? And then after that 12 months, where do we hit capacity? And then who are the next people that we need to hire is what he's got to present back this morning.
0: Cool, so he's, he's also gonna cover then um, sort of internal, for example, there's all, oh, there's issues here. We're selling something that we're actually making a loss on. You should, you should put a line through that and not sell it anymore. Like he's, he's taking a whole big picture approach. Holistic view. Uh,
1: That's cool. Guys, why, why is that client getting three times more value Mm. Uh, but paying the same rate as this client over here. Explain, and that's what's really needed in this business right now. I need someone to come in and hold me accountable and hold you accountable for like no 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 like like Harry I've checked your log. What's the thing that you used the time uh, check? Toggle. He's not going to be going to this level of detail, just so you know. But it's that on a higher level, which mm. is like Harry, why have you why have we spent nine days on this campaign mm. and charged this, and we spent four days on this and charged that? It doesn't make sense. Like we need to move the price somewhere or bottom 20% of clients are driving the least amount of value and the, the most pain in the ass, he'll mm. come in and say, we need to axe A, B, and C, and I'll replace him with D, E, and F. That's the commercial driver and, we need in the business.
0: And will he be responsible for all of those actions or no, is that he, like a conversation that you have as who's, yeah, yeah. whose job that yeah, sort he, of is?
1: It's a conversation to be had, but it's mm. a conversation that needs to be had more regular. Yeah. Uh, so he'll have his sort of... A, fingers on the pulse of the business Mm -hmm. and making sure that the commercial deals are in place are driving the bottom line for the business there'll be stuff that he has no idea about there'll be relationships that he doesn't understand from face value there'll be deals that I've done because there's extra benefits Mm -hmm. around the industry yeah he's Uh, just
0: seeing cold numbers but
1: he'll challenge me on it yeah he might not and if he doesn't he doesn't get the job the person that i'm hiring will because the, this role needs to evolve into my sales director within 12 to 24 months like it's fucking go time in this company right now mm. i'm super excited and i'm now trying to fill it in with the right people to help us to help us go and we're going to see it today at nine um so yeah that was super that's that's what's happening this week for me uh, and then uh, we've got a client review meeting tomorrow um yep. with uh with one of our newest partners that's quickly becoming um, one of our highest spending partners, to be yeah. honest. And it's
0: I- like, we've got, I'm pretty sure we've agreed a contract, right? But they keep just asking for things like on top of what's agreed. But that's a credit Which to- is really like kind of confusing. It's, like- no, it's
1: not confusing. It's a credit to you because you've delivered some content. We've got a price. The thing for me when I look at it and where if Alan gets a job, we'd be like, well, they're spending money really fast with you guys. You need to up the prices mm-hmm. because they're obviously been spending it elsewhere and the the rate that you are offering is obviously lower but the quality is either the same or better Mm. there's something there but for me it's a really exciting partner Um, and it's been a great example because it's our newest one of our newest partners of when we do things right we communicate correctly the value that we drive We don't have silly expectations from the brand and we feel really positive about Mm. it Uh, so that was a a great thing for me and then I guess I dropped you an email last night and do you want to quickly cover that off uh, like high level?
0: Uh, which email are we referring to meeting notes
1: responsibility pushing it onto the team I'll cover it off (laughs) as you search your inbox Uh, so for me right now you You have a habit of leaving me out of emails just for the record no you're definitely on this one H Um, so i actually know you were because you referenced it this morning in terms of uh spending some time on admin ready for the meeting tomorrow
0: oh okay that one
1: so for me as you guys probably heard um Edie, uh, our previous account manager left um to like a uh, a dream dream job uh, i'm in the process of being uh, an account manager for all our brands i'm hiring two people right now bdm and a new account manager which will allow me to actually do the thing that i want to do is be ceo and i'm actually super excited to be basically becoming a talent scout right now. Let's find some good people. Let's bring them into the business. Um, but I'm actually putting more onus back on the team uh, to be responsible for their core core activities in the business. Mm. So for you, you're the creative, but I actually need you to be more brand-facing on the creative element and yep. control that process, start to finish. 40 websites, cat comms, like that sort of thing is what that email is about. Um, and that's not to say it's a short-term thing. When we bring an account manager in, I want this to continue because there is not one winner within the company. The account manager will manage the projects, but you should always be the person that speaks about creative projects yep. on video. Because we've had the problems in the past where something's got lost in translation, and then you've basically drew the short straw, mm. like down on time or down on why we ch- why have we charged this much, guys? Like this is going to take me four days to edit compared to the one that you've said because of what the expectations are from the yep. client. So that's that's new. Um, and then last one from me, mate. Well, I'm shooting on Thursday, uh, so I'm out with uh, good friend, nice and, g- good friend and client. Hey, it's a business event, mate. Uh, it's business. It's all business. Uh, <laughs> it's all business. Uh, of course, it is. Mr. Jamie Fisher, um, friend and, and client, uh, going shooting him with him, which is always good fun. Uh, and then on the Friday, I've got a board meeting, and super interested for this board meeting actually because it's more of a strategy session. Haven't had one in three months, uh, and it's uh, wow. And for me is when, they, when I don't have board meetings, I get more stuff done. But I know I need them. I know I need them because um, I I it holds me accountable. But uh, this one's going to be really interesting because we've, we've come on a long way in the last three to four months. Um, and it's really identifying our strategy, places we're trying to fill, uh, and me trying to shape board meetings to how I want them moving forward. And that's an exercise that I've been moving through the last six months.
0: Cool. So finally... That was, a, we, that was a long monologue. I apologize. It was good. It was good, man. We, uh, we've we got time. <laughs> we, As we draw today's show to a close, though, we'd like to finish on a new segment that we're calling What We're Into. So that could be anything, whether it's like a new book, a new podcast, new tech, whatever that we're excited about, that we're using, a tool, a S- something he's literally looking around the <laughs> office for anything to reference I just see cables <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> uh yeah so uh, let's let's start with yourself Adam what are you loving right now mine's
1: really boring mate but I wanted to put it in there because it's it's the thing that I'm getting a lot of value from right mm-hmm. so when we always talk about it, it's like what are we getting value from in the last seven days and I was like yeah. well I've just started to walk my dog again in the morning without headphones on and you're like, that's cool. Without headphones. Yeah. So what I normally do is I, I kind of walk the dog and listen to something as I go around. Mm. But I've realized that every hour of every day, I've either got headphones on listening to a podcast or an audiobook, or I'm in a meeting and I get no time to just think. And that sounds crazy, but I get no headspace. I, like there's no time for me to just like just go through what's in my head, clear those thoughts out. Process them and then sort of move on. So now every day I'm walking the dog in the morning. So sort of like, dog gets up. I mean, the dog get up at like five, ten past five. Go for a walk. Get back for six, and then watch Yu-Gi-Oh with the boy. That's probably part of it, actually. That's part of my routine. I watch Yu-Gi-Oh with the kid for mm. like uh, one to two episodes in the morning. Six till twenty to seven, and then come into the office for about seven o'clock. But that that dog walking time for me. um really important for me right now because it just helps me get clear on the day. So before I get to my desk in the morning, I know what I need to get done. There's loads of stuff in my... To- like, don't get me wrong, my to-do list is ridiculous, same as everyone's. But I'm, yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking about the really important things, the high-impact stuff in the business with an understanding that if all these to-dos don't get done but these three do, I'm pretty happy with how my day's gone. Mm. So it allows me to just focus my energy and time. And then on a Friday when I get back... So I don't walk in on a Friday morning... Um, on a Friday, when I get back, I then take him, and that's sort of me sort of like disconnecting and then trying to get into dad mode and then mm. switching off from the week, compartmentalize all my thoughts, uh, make sure there's no stresses or if there is anything like this really burning, I'll go back, go up to Starbucks, do the work, come back because I need to make sure now, especially with the kids at the age that they are that I am spending the time, actually spending the time with them and being present and those little things that dog walk in the morning and on a Friday afternoon is what helps me right now. Mm. That's my way of doing it. I like it, mate. And uh, it stops the dog from being fucking destructive in the house. <laughs> just to be clear. They're going to turn into runs. That's what they're going to move into. Uh, but yeah, it stops them from being destructive because... Uh, Sorry, nearly turned him into a new rug the other day when he chewed one of the kids' trainers. But more on that on Dad Knows Best. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Very true. <laughs> uh, Harry, what's yours, mate? What's yours? Well, on the subject of clarity. Um Segway Professional. So I've been working... you you uh so you mentioned something to me called money dashboard. And you explained it to me I was like oh my god that sounds amazing and then when I searched for it on the app store it turns out I'd already downloaded it once before I'm like okay clearly (laughs) something pissed me off when I downloaded this the first time so and what basically what it is is it's an app it's also on the web as well Um, and you essentially connect bank accounts credit cards any of your any of your banking uh, and it it reads all of the transactions and is just a literally a money dashboard, so you can get, see income, outgoings. Uh, it's categorised in different ways, um, but the the reason I didn't get on with it in the first place is because it asks for your login details. Well, all of my other banking apps have all got login details saved, so I've not used any of them other than my fingerprint for years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I try so I I got my HSBC on there first of all that worked sweet. So I was like okay this is cool because I can see my my bank account. So I already so then I got a taste for what it could do but I had a, such a nightmare connecting everything. Anyway, long story long, I've managed to now connect credit cards and everything like that so it's now up and running. So I had a look at it last night and it was quite uh shocking to say the least. (laughs) So it sees all of your details, it sees the details, shows you all the um, spending. I'm not sure that it's 100% accurate yet, obviously, because I've just set it up. It does retroactively pull figures in, but I I felt like the numbers still weren't right. Maybe I need to look at the tagging system because it probably just didn't categorize it correctly because I know, uh, for example, credit card repayments, I know is a certain number a month but that number wasn't the same on the dashboard. So maybe I just need to go in and work it. But seeing all those transactions is a huge eye-opener because like one of the... So when you when you connect it all up, it, one of the options is to see a... I think it's like a, a a spend report. And it's like, here's here's where... Here's the top 10 merchants that your money has gone to in the past 12 months. And one of them was <laughs> Amazon for... 1200 pounds and like that's like 100 pound a month which is which is which is fair enough because when you think about kind of the amount of things you buy on amazon that's not not a bad average but to actually just see that number on the screen it's like wow like if like how many of those things are essentials and how many weren't then you look at the different things of because you can categorize like entertainment some things that are like travel insurance all those different things so like for me at the moment as many people do, we're all swimming in debt of some kind. But to see it all there, you can see <laughs> you can see your positive bank balance and then how much in deficit you are. And my deficit right now is a little bit more than I would like it to be. And I've known that I need to see these numbers, but not had anything that's done this before. So you don't really get a bigger picture because you see three, four different numbers that are independent of each other. So to have it all in one place is amazing. Now I can be a bit more proactive in clearing debt. Yeah, it's like it's like I
1: fell in love with it because it's like, I've never used it on the app, by the way. I've only used it on the web. Um, it's that global view of accounts. Yeah. So I've like plugged my accounts in, the wife's accounts in, and we've got joint accounts. Like we've we've got like a macro view of our whole house and income.
0: Oh, okay. How do, how does that look then? Because I, so the one thing I've not added is a joint account because yep. the way I see it is. We just put money into the joint account anyway because it pays for uh, certain bills, mortgage, and things like that. So mm-hmm. I just... For me, that's just a single outgoing on my current bank bank account. Uh, what? Yeah, but the problem, wouldn't the that is, contradict...
1: No, the problem is, is you, you're moving money, I assume, from your current account into a joint account to pay it. Yeah. Uh, so when that money goes out of your account you, you want to have a track record of where that moved to and what it was paying so at the moment it's going yeah, from I, an account uh, to an account it looks like it's going to like a savings account yeah maybe I need to look at it's what not going goes. out to a to a customer but I can that. solve that as a tag you could do I would I would I would literally how I've done it is just dump everything in uh, because then and then how, does, how is it handling
0: you uh, Sora's account is that a set she got a separate yep so user? I've got Lloyd okay. she's
1: got Lloyd's. no no it's all under one login Oh, but we've okay. both got Lloyd's, but we just have a an account called Sarah's Account and my account, and you can just expand them, oh, okay. or you can collapse them and see just a global view of your net, 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 where you are.
0: Yeah. Um, I guess yeah, if so, you listen to yeah, this... So, so I'm, I'm I'm very new to it right now. I'm still learning. So yeah, you're, you're a bit more of a whiz than, than I am. Um, but for me, seeing those numbers is very important because, mm-hmm. you, because it's only metrics. It's only when you know... It's only when you measure something can you manage it. So...
1: Exactly, and I've got two young kids, we want to go on holiday, and I just wanted more of a macro view of our basically what I was speaking to Sarah about I was like I want to do what I do for the business I budget for the business I want to be more efficient in how we budget for the household Uh, so I was looking for ages honestly I've tried everything I paid £80 for something that was a downloadable app that was meant to plug in it just broke every time so I've I've done it all this is like if you're in America this is like the UK's version of mint.com it's completely free because eventually they'll be trying to sell you mortgages and credit cards and all this stuff Um, and they're very transparent about that Um, but if you're interested in money management, I would I would give it a go. It's it's yeah, been they, a really they, good for me so far.
0: They've even got um, crowdfunding, yeah, you, things and there's like a shares thing. Have you, seen, cool. have you seen that? You yeah, can share was, someone. In you buy some and shares if they, they want to.
1: Like the uh, new people that help sort of help grow the business, they want to allocate some shares to them. Um, so that's really
0: cool. Uh, anything else on that for you, H? Uh, no, I'll probably report back um, once I've got a bit more once I've fine-tuned uh, the system a bit more. But yeah, the biggest thing for me is I knew I was in a hole. didn't realise how big that hole was. <laughs> <laughs> so Harry's going to curb his spending and you
1: guys are going to hit the subscribe button. If you've got it, this far through this episode and you like this new format or if you dislike it if you prefer the monday wednesday friday get in contact with us guys we're super easy to contact the best way for you to do it is to head over to facebook and search for startup diary club an amazing community there of people doing some cool shit if that sounds like something you're interested in head over join the group and get involved i'd love to hear your feedback on this new format harry anything from you before we
0: wrap up no, mate, that's everything from me today. I'm spent. Literally. Literally. I will see you <laughs> next time. Bye, guys.